Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Make sure to check out greatlakesdragway.com for their 2018 season passes. And, of course, David Hobbs Honda, 6100 North Green Bay Avenue. Make sure to check out their their website at davidhobbshonda.com. In fact, joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is David Hobbs. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks for joining us. David Hobbs, his own self, one of your prime sponsors. How lucky you are, Steve. <laughs> yes, that we are. In fact, we were talking to uh, IMSA driver Ryan Eversley just before, and he was driving from Charlotte to Atlanta in a Honda Type R. Lucky lad. <laughs> they are, of course, you know, obviously you've, <laughs> you're stretched to limit those cars, uh, put those cars to the limit over here in the States because the speed limits and the roads are not very exciting unless you get up to the Cattle Moraine area, for instance, in Wisconsin. But, uh, yeah, that Type R is uh, going down pretty well all around the world. It's a, it's a neat machine. It certainly is, and he is uh, enjoying his drive today. And, of course, yeah. uh, for Formula One, uh, we have a Ferrari show for the Bahrain Grand Prix, uh, don't we, with uh, Sebastian Vettel on the pole. Boy, we've got a Ferrari lockout of the front row. Uh, which is about the first time they've had that since 2009, I want to say. It's a long time and um, very, very impressive speed. Uh, they're only like a tenth of a second quicker than Barbary Botas. Lewis Hamilton was not up to his usual qualifying snuff. Plus, he's got a five-spot grid penalty. And I've been seeing some statistics that nobody's won the Bahrain race starting lower than four, so... It looks like Lewis Hamilton's going to have his work cut out or be a real hero. But Ferraris has suddenly picked up a lot of pace since Australia. They definitely weren't as quick in Australia as the Mercedes, but certainly here in Bahrain, they seem to be uh, definitely uh, quick. I mean, very quick. They've been quick all weekend. So they're in with a good chance tomorrow. And if Vettel should win again and Hamilton comes, you know, like third, fourth, fifth, um, that point spread will suddenly be looking pretty ominous going into China. It's kind of surprising, too, was Pierre Gasly in the Toro Rosso, which hasn't shown a lot of speed as of late, uh, sixth fastest and will actually start fifth in the race. That is amazing. Um, Either Honda have, you know, those Toro Rosso boys, you know, Carlos Sainz, like three years ago, said he thought the chassis was pretty good. Um, And they've been saying all along that the car's got a lot more potential. But obviously, Honda seemed to have stumbled on something um, for him to qualify fifth in the dry at Bahrain uh, with a lot of straight, that sounds pretty encouraging for Honda. They must be 
um, pretty happy about it, I would say, because their their performance over the last three years has been pretty dismal, to say the least. Speaking of the Honda dealership, I don't like to see it. Um, but um, because I know that technically Honda are one of the best engineering companies in the world, and for them to have made such a mess up of this uh, latest uh, engine is so unlike them. But uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see them make a big turn this year. And, of course, uh, you've had a very successful release of your, your book, Hobo. And uh, Dave Coleman, who's joining me in studio from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Dave and I were just wondering where our rev- review copies have, have gone. Did they get lost in the mail? or? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll make sure I'll make sure you get one tomorrow by express mail. <laughs> well, Dave and I certainly appreciate that. But uh, seriously, though, I mean, you've had uh, you released it uh, at Amelia Island, sold out there, and you've done a couple more. And you actually had a, what a dinner in England too that you were you were too. How did it go uh, up in England with the? Re- well, we went release? to the esteemed Royal Automobile Club on Pall Mall, one of the toniest addresses in the world, uh, let alone London. And um, we had an evening there on Thursday, um, March the um, 22nd, so just over a week ago. And it was very successful. We had about 100 people. It was it was full, the room that we were in. And um, we had quite a few press there. We sold quite a few books that night, obviously. And uh, then the next night, we went to Brooklyn's, you know, with the exception of Milwaukee, what was the oldest track in the world. Of course, it's gone now. Um but they do have the original clubhouse built 108 years ago, and, and they have a fantastic museum there. And I had another good night there with um, Simon Taylor doing a Q&A, and we had about 120 people there. So a couple of fairly good. Now I've done some interviews. I, I talked to Radio Europe Sport or something down in Malaga, Spain. Um, and I did a bit on Sky TV, and a whole lot of people were very surprised to see me on Sky in the U.K., so we had a pretty good run there, yeah. And um, to, on Monday, I'm heading up to Pennsylvania, in spite of the fact that I see it's going to snow again. Um, and then on Tuesday night, I'm at the Sellersville Theatre in Sellersville, Pennsylvania, with Lee and Steve, the old uh, NBC team, and our very esteemed guest, Mario Andretti. And we put on about an hour and a half show, and I'm hoping to sell 40 or 50 books there as well. And I had the opportunity to see you guys do a show in uh, Chicago about a year and a half ago, I think it was. Fantastic show for F1 fans in the area. It is certainly worth uh, coming out to uh, to see you guys uh, a little bit, I guess you could say, uncensored. Yeah, <laughs> uncensored and, uh, and very relaxed in spite of the audience. I mean, we, you know, that um, Chicago, I think we had about 400 people. Sellersville last year, we went last year, and it was capacity it only holds 350 but it was full and we've been to the ridgefield playhouse in ridgefield connecticut three times now and it's a 550 seat theater and we've sold out there every time we've been so the shows are quite fun obviously not quite as relevant now we're not doing um the formula one shows on the tv and i'm sure that they'll kind of fade from people's memories and um but nevertheless we are going to do it there and um uh, hopefully we have a good turnout. Well, we we have got a good turnout. I mean, it's nearly sold out now. So this is what retired people do, huh? Yeah, <laughs> that's what my wife says. <laughs> First of all, she says, "Now, what are you going to do with all your spare time?" And I said, "Darling, I shall be at home looking after you." And she said, "Yeah, 
that's what I was frightened of. But um, <laughs> so so far it hasn't happened yet. So, so she can breathe a sigh of relief at the moment. But um, uh, next Friday, next actually next Thursday, I'm going to go out to Long Beach and try and sell some books at the Long Beach Grand Prix on um, Friday and Saturday on Steve Austin's stand in the paddock. And um, I'll probably fly home on Sunday. And then I don't have much going on then, but I am going to go to Indianapolis um, and um, try and sell some books over the weekend of the Indy 500. And um, I, 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 I hope I know where you're going to be at. Well, I'm not absolutely sure where I'm going to be at. I'm going with a guy called Darren Jack. who's a Yeah, we mentioned him, and then also my, my stand, too, you'll be at. Oh, that's right. I guess I forgot. <laughs> See, look at yeah, still. Yeah, 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 I got to yeah, have a right. talk to Darren. No, but there'll be yeah, there'll be there'll be room for both. We can do both. Well, I haven't actually made the decision yet, Steve. So, well, then let's deci- keep this off the record, and we'll we'll keep Darren on the outside. Then you can do my it. decision could be swayed by you know a bit of silver crossing the palm or something. You know. Well, since I'm since I am selling your collection at Indianapolis, I think it's a no brainer. Well, you're probably right. I should be there. I should be at yours. Um, and uh, so then after that, quite busy. I'm going to Concord d'Elegance in Greenwich. Then the week, uh, well, that's uh, in the beginning of June. Then, of course, it's the IndyCar race at, um, at, at Road America. And on the Wednesday night, which I believe is June the 22nd, I shall be at Siebkin's having a book sale. They asked me to come along there, and then I'll be at the track probably, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh, that'll be a good time. A book sale, right. I'm going to Watkins Glen, and so quite a bit going on this summer, really, to try and sell some of these books. So Wednesday night is the book sale at Seepkins? Wednesday night, apparently, is the book sale at Seepkins. I'm going to have to book another night at the lake house, it looks like. (laughs) You'll have to speak to Laurie Stecker uh, or Lisa Sardik. Up there, they 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 the ones that rang and said, "Hey, we got the book. How about coming to Seepkin and selling it there?" Which would be very apt because Seepkin does feature in the book. Yes, yeah, as it so, should, as it should indeed. Yeah. So, but, um, you're yeah, on. you're uh, seem very plugged in yet. I'm just curious how you're uh, how you, how you look at things now that you don't have to. You don't look at things professionally as far as Formula One is concerned. It's not like you have to stay as up as you as you did. How how have you? Do you look at the sport differently now? Well, uh, you know, Dave, I do actually look at, at a bit differently. Um, I didn't think I would. I thought I'd be just as keen as mustard, but I did not get up. Uh, well, of course, I couldn't watch it when the first race in Australia. We were in England anyway, so I watched it there. Um, I'm not terribly enamored with being forced into retirement. I mean, I did the TV for 41 years and, um, I would like to retire more on my own terms. Um, but NBC lost the deal to ESPN, which kind of a foregone conclusion, considering that Sean Bratches, who's one of the three guys who runs Formula One now that Liberty Media own it, is an ex-VP of ESPN. I guess it didn't take a rocket scientist to work out that something nefarious was going to happen. Um... The first broadcast was not over overwhelmingly received, but I gather that um, today's qualifying was a bit of a step up with no with no commercials. But still, and all, it is just a remote feed, and there's no post race or post qualifying show, and so there's no input from this side of the Atlantic, which I think people will miss. But um, 
Do I miss it? I'm sure I will. I mean, I haven't really got into the season yet. We've only had two races. Um, but I think, yeah, about June time, we'll be thinking, hmm, I should be going to Stanford this weekend or the end of May. I should be thinking I should be going to Monte Carlo this week. Um, but alas, that's not to be. So no good crying over spilt milk, as they say. Talking to David Hobbs on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Of course, David, the author of his new book, uh, Hobbo. And if they don't want to wait till, let's say, June to get your book at Road America or in Indianapolis at the David Hobbs collection uh, display at the uh, at the memorabilia show in the uh, Pagoda Plaza, uh, is there a way for them to get it online at this point? Well, I believe Amazon are taking orders, um, and that is the preferred method because they're cheapest. Uh, the publisher... Uh, the publisher's agent, it's an, English, it's an English publication, the English publication, their agent over here is Quarto Books, Q-U-A-R-T-O, and their uh, site is Quarto Knows, K-N-O-W-S, QuartoKnows.com, and I believe you can order it off there, but I'm not absolutely sure, but Quarto Publishing uh, up in uh, Minnesota um, are, the, are the American uh, wholesalers. And then, of course, you, you can order the book online and then bring the book to Road America or Long Beach, wherever, and then David will sign it for you, won't, won't you? Correct. I will indeed. I well, will indeed. For very little money. Seabkins. <laughs> 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 well, David, yeah. we certainly appreciate you joining us and uh, getting the update on what the, your whereabouts and travels this coming, uh, this coming month. And uh, I'm sure uh, Margaret will appreciate her peacefulness to continue her painting. Yes, she's doing very well. She had a big article in the local Vero paper last a couple of weeks ago, and uh, picture plaster over the front page, and uh, very complimentary article on her paintings. And uh, so she's looking forward to having a summer of painting down here, and then transferring to the Midwest or to you know Wisconsin in um, in about June. So uh, we'll see you all then. Geez, Dave, maybe I'll we'll have to have Margaret on uh, next time. Well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> if, only, if only you were a painting show. Very nice to talk to you both, Steve, and you, Dave. Too. I haven't spoken to you for a long time, so good to, t- good to talk to you both. Well, but, thank you, David. And don't forget, 6100 North Green Bay Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. <laughs> and, and maybe you could be driving a Honda Type R. Exactly. <laughs> I can afford one unless a few more people go there. So it go like a lot of books to sell. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, David. David Hobbs, of course, on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. If you're looking for a simple and convenient pre-approval process for your new home, construction, or renovation loan, call Great Midwest Bank, committed to providing uniquely tailored common sense mortgage products since 1935. Coming up next, we'll talk with Dennis Michelson and Lori Monroe from Race Talk Radio on the Final Inspection Show. Now it's time for NASCAR Chat with Dennis Michelson and Laurie Monroe from Racetalkradio.com. He's bound and down, loaded up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can't be done? This is Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. He's bound up, watch old bandit run. Final Inspection. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Yes, we're going to hear from Dennis Michelson and Laurie Monroe as we talk about uh, did you miss NASCAR last week? And then we'll also touch base on uh, Alan Kowicki and then also the Tony Stewart uh, settlement that was reached in court this week. So let's tune in to Dennis and Laurie. 
Dennis Michelson, Lori Monroe from Racetalkradio.com. Lori Monroe, how did you enjoy the first off week of the season? Well, I don't think I really did. I, I was really looking forward to racing the start of this year, and it just seems that all of a sudden we have this holiday again. But but I'm sure Clint Boyer really enjoyed this week because he could sort of just just sort of let the let the win he had spread out a couple of weeks, enjoy himself, and uh, then get going back to Texas. Yeah, it's it's so weird. You get into the rhythm of the NASCAR season. You get yeah. used to it. And then we get a rain out on Sunday, so that messes up everything. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Easter is here. You know, it's just, it's a terrible tease every year when they do this. But isn't there usually a, a, an Xfinity race or something on Easter weekend or wasn't there in years past? There was something. We always said something, I thought. Yeah, they used to give us something, and now they're giving us nothing, and we're supposed to like it. Nothing. But- no, nothing. It's <laughs> Since the last time we were visiting with the good folks of Milwaukee, April 1st came and went, and this year, a bit of an anniversary of sorts. Can you believe that it's been 25 years since that horrible day that Alan Kowicki's airplane crashed? Yeah, and it's been uh, it's been a lot of topic uh, or the subject of a lot of conversation as well this week, both online and on radio, etc. Everybody always seems to uh, bring that up on that horrible April Fool's Day. I wish it was an April Fool's joke, but you know, you think about it, twenty five years. I just I don't know where time is going anyway for anything that goes on in life. It just uh, it just goes by way too fast. A lot of very interesting things that made Alan Kowicki unique. Maybe the only guy in the history of the sport, though, that turned down an offer to race with Junior Johnson. Well, maybe he wasn't serving breakfast in the mornings uh, <laughs> at that point, down in the shop with these all these famous Junior Johnson breakfasts. Maybe you should have lured him with some sausage. That might have worked. Because Wisconsin guys like their sausage. for me. Wisconsin guys like their sausage. Well, of they, course. They don't want the Johnsonville kind that is shriveled to, you know, no. such a small size. They want real sausage. So that could have won them over. That yeah, could have won exactly. them over. Yeah, exactly. Other... Junior Johnson's country sausage. That's what they want. <laughs> there you go. The other thing that made Alan Kowicki that I remember about Alan Kowicki so much, he had better nicknames for his cars than guys do nowadays. His rookie year, his car was nicknamed Sirloin because it was so tough. And then, of course, during the championship (laughs) year, the championship the year, the Underbird. You know, this is, we need a guy who has a good nickname for his car again. I think there's nicknames out there, and there are some, we all know them, but I just don't think they're brought to the forefront anymore, and I don't know why. Yeah, that is weird. You know, we had the T-Rex car. We had other ones in in more recent times. And then all of a sudden, nicknames just disappeared. I know. I think Junior tried bringing back some of that uh, in the last couple of years with, he had the one car, Amelia, if you remember that. Yeah. There's been some names floating around, but I I just don't know why they don't seem to catch on. I I don't get it. Maybe the fact that a car has only raced like three times versus 60 times in its career like it was back in the day. 
But one of the things that all of these articles or a lot of the articles about Ellen Kowicki, we're all doing this same thing of how would NASCAR history have changed if Ellen Kowicki had lived? I'm sorry, as great of a driver as Ellen Kowicki was, that idea of an owner-driver and a one-car team quickly became the thing of the history, Ben. I'm not so sure that if Ellen Kowicki had lived and Davey Ellison had lived, that NASCAR history would be all that much different. Maybe Davey Ellison would have won a title, but I'm not so sure that Ellen Kowicki would have won another title. That was sort of a year that everything went together just right. Yeah, all the all the stars aligned for him, definitely. But, you know, all these woulda, coulda, shouldas, what ifs, I don't know. You could go on forever on that stuff. Um, I just kind of like to live in the here and now and what we got. I uh, That's kind of where I like to sit. Also in the breaking news, since we last chatted with the folks from Milwaukee, I was really happy to see that the Tony Stewart uh, lawyers and, and the uh, Kevin Ward's family lawyers have all come to an agreement and settled the lawsuit. That was just going to be so much difficult history and memories to deal with i'm mm-hmm. glad that that's all over now yeah and leave it to the lawyers to come to a, an agreement with themselves this is the whole thing you wonder how much how much lawyer involvement is going on here you know the whole thing is just a sad situation anyway and it just gone on and on for for in my opinion way too long but yeah it'll be nice to to get this put away and just just get on just get on with it Only a couple more weeks of seeing all the Tony Stewart haters saying how he killed this kid. Uh, You know, I just, I want this story to be gone, and I want to see Tony Stewart back racing and having fun. Yeah, well, you know, I'm sure he's having fun now. I I don't think, uh, you know, any of this is any less difficult for him, but... You know, I, I just don't know how you, you deal with a situation like that. But haters will hate. It doesn't matter what. You know, he could, anybody could come up with a cure for cancer and someone will still find a way to hate that person. I just don't understand it. Uh, some of the reasons floating around why they hate Tony Stewart, it, it doesn't doesn't even have anything to do with, with Ward. So, you know, I, you just got to look away from them. You know, you can't pay attention to these people. They're just so negative. Yeah, it's a bad situation, but I don't think uh, Tony Stewart's taking it very lightly anyway. So it'll be a while before we have another break in the action. It'll be Mother's Day weekend uh, before we see a break. So what kind of grade would you give the NASCAR racing to this point? Wow. Um, That's hard to say. There's been some lackluster moments as usual. I just sort of look at where we left off, which was fabulous with Clint Boyer winning that race. But, you know, it's to me, it's just sort of been a a typical year. You've got these rookies who, in my opinion, haven't really set the world on fire. And then a bunch of stuff happening, like the whole Stuart Haas side of things that, you know, you got Kevin uh, Harvick winning a bunch of races and Al Marola doing well, Boyer winning a race. You've got Jimmy Johnson over at Hendrick not performing. Nobody performing at Hendrick Motorsports. So to me, those are the things that are making it kind of interesting. It's always going to be fun having cars on the track and racing. But, uh, 
there's just been a lot of other weird stuff going on that just sort of always fleshes out the season for me. So far, the Ford teams have been the class of the field. If this dominance continues through about mid-season, do you think NASCAR might be a little itchy to make a little change? Oh, my God. Don't let anybody have an advantage ever. we got to just level them all out so everybody's the same. Ugh, I don't know. I, I sure hope not. Just let the season unfold as it is. Just go forward. Like, my God, please don't make any changes. And here's the thing. I'm one of those purists that say if you set the rules at the beginning of the year and one team figures something out that is legal to be the dominant team, that team really deserves mm-hmm. to be congratulated, not chastised. I know. I know. And that's the whole thing. And that's where everything seems to be backwards is you cannot, you cannot innovate. We say this every week, you know, the innovators of all, you know, they want them to be extinct, unfortunately. But to me, that's what makes it all fun. And if you can't, if you can't be smart about what you're doing, it doesn't matter if it's stock car racing or, or making tomato soup. If you can't make something new, innovative, and better than the rest, then why are you even doing it? Amen. Lori Monroe, we ought to put that on a billboard somewhere. That was brilliant. <laughs> Especially the tomato soup part. Absolutely. good. You, it's hard to get good tomato soup that isn't orange nowadays. Orange, that horrible orange tomato soup. It's not red anymore, exactly. Thanks for tuning in to the NASCAR and Culinary segment of the final inspection today on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. I'm Steve Zotke in studio. I'd like to thank Mitch Ross for coming in. You bet. Subbing for Jeff Orlowski today, playing the role of keyboard player on the show. Little Mighty Mighty Boston's there. I love that. You like that, huh? One of my favorite bands ever. Oh, thank you. And, of course, I'd like to thank Dave Coleman of the Milwaukee Journal for joining me in studio today. Dave, certainly appreciate your presence. Oh, absolutely. And appreciate your input. And, uh, of course, we're talking about Alan Kowicki and, and a lot of NASCAR today. And... Uh, you know, we were there in Texas this weekend, and, uh, you know, Texas has always been kind of like little mini Charlotte, very successful track. But in the last couple of years, you know, we've there's been some issues with NASCAR and what. But the thing about uh, Charlotte, that, or I should say Texas, with Eddie Gossage, track president, promoter extraordinaire, whose roots come back to Milwaukee when he was with Miller and that. And is that kind of surprising that even because, I mean – if there's an angle to get Texas some print or something, if there's a controversy in racing, whether it's IndyCar or NASCAR, Eddie will find a way to kind of put himself in the track in the middle of it, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Eddie's really good at being everywhere. Goodness knows I've used him on many, many things, including Alan Kowicki stuff, because Eddie is one of the huge uh, backers of getting Alan in the Hall of Fame. But, uh, yeah, it's... 
I, I guess this this stuff is just a sign of the times. Um, you, you know, you're dealing with a guy here who who works in newspapers. So what do I know about industries that are struggling, right? Uh, but it, it's it's a tough business, no question about it. And Eddie's one of the best, and his staff is is fabulous. And if they're struggling, well, is it's is it the sport that's struggling? Is it mile and a half in particular that mm-hmm. they're struggling? There's uh there's a lot working against them right now. There certainly is. Let's go back because. I, I think I've kind of uh, shorted you a little bit by not mentioning your because one of the reasons why I wanted you on the show was the same reason why I had Ryan on because what you did I thought with Alan remembering twenty five years on was kind kind of hit me and uh, tell us what when what when involved uh, with getting that together yeah that was that was funny I mean it was just uh, um, I don't know, beginning of March, second week of March. I said, geez, 25 years since Alan died. That's seems like we ought to do something. Mm-hmm. What should we do? Um, hmm. Kicked it around in my head for, you know, a while. Just, just let, left it lay. <laughs> and I went, I just wonder what would have been different. And that's, I guess that's one of those questions you can ask about sure. anything like this. Um, but so many of the circumstances surrounding Alan's championship and his career were unique. So I uh, just started about thinking about people who who knew Alan and knew him well and knew the inner, you know, sort of a little bit more about how his, his mind and his business and, and whatnot all worked. And, uh, you know, it turns out you, you get you get Ray Abraham on the phone. Um, and I got, got him very, very easily. And, um, you know, he had great stories to tell and well, about and- how he, you know, he lasted six weeks. And- exactly. And that's, I think I want to hold you there for a second because that's one thing, you know, Russ Lake, who we had on earlier together, we had that kind of a, 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 a giggle about that because I forget where we were at. We were at a bar or something and there was something, something, Alan Kowicki came up and some guy came up to us, you know, I was with Alan Kowicki and what a great guy, this and that. I was on his pit crew, and Russ and I are kind of looking at each other. We didn't say who <laughs> we were and that. And, you know, we had, you know, and then he wandered off, and and Russ goes, you know, you can always tell a guy who's BSing you is when they speak glowingly about Alan if they were on his pit crew. And in a way, that's right, because he was, I mean, Ray Everham is probably the top guy for that because you look at Ray Everham, Jeff Gordon, this and that. The guy was brilliant, but sometimes – relationships and that just don't work out and yeah. case in point that Alan Kowicki Ray Everham I think is probably at the top of the list isn't it yeah I mean it's two guys who are very similar who are meticulous mm-hmm. who are strong-minded um uh, who, who know what they want because it happens to be the right thing usually and uh you know Alan for to have someone checking Ray's work constantly which is what Alan would have been doing <laughs> And that wasn't going to play out real well. And, no. uh, I mean, you know, Ray Ray said, you know, I lasted like six weeks as the, you know, eve of the Daytona 500 when I either quit or got fired. Uh, you know, when when you can't figure that out exactly, that's a pretty good sign that it just wasn't going anywhere. Right. Um, so, yeah, he, he's uh, the classic. And, and like Ryan's uh, podcast and, and the video showed was that uh, paul andrews was just a much better fit that way it's yeah. just you know paul andrews is a great crew chief but he had his strengths that worked in tandem with alan's whereas ray many of rays were exactly the same 
as Alan's. And you, right. you didn't need two of those. You needed some of the other. And so Alan was going to tell you exactly what he wanted and how you were going to get there and what was wrong, what he wanted and how you were going to get there. And Jeff Gordon wanted to drive the car, you know? So right. Jeff didn't tell Ray, you know, I need to, we need to change this spring or, or whatnot. He, he didn't know. He didn't particularly care. Um, he knew that he could tell Ray what was what was wrong and they could go make it better and everybody would be happy. And lo and behold, four championships later, you know, that all kind of worked out. You know, the, uh, the LC and uh, partnerships, or especially like business and that, it does have a guy, a push-pull partnership, then two guys pushing or two guys pulling. Because, you know, that way it, it, you get the best of both worlds. You get the guy, the aggressive guy, and then you get the other guy who's saying, oh, well, well let's, let's, let's examine this. And and with with Alan and and Ray Everham, it's definitely two push guys. And yep. you know when it, when it happens, you know you know it it doesn't work out. Well, it's it's been a great show, a lot of fun today talking to, of course, uh, Russ Lake that we had on before, and Ryan Eversley, and of course, uh, make sure to check out Dinner with Racers, their podcast. Along him and Sean Heckman do a fantastic job, and also the video. If you go to the featured video video section on racer.com, there's a, a pretty, really, really cool video of Alan Kowicki. And, of course, Dave Coleman, thanks for coming in. And uh, you can st- – how would they get to see that article on MS or yeah. JS Online? <laughs> well, first, let's go to the right website. Yeah, that helps. Yeah, jsonline.com. You get to the uh, jsonline.com slash sports. Get to the motorsports page, and it's still pretty prominent on the motorsports page on JS Online. Um, I and if I dug around my recycling bin, I'm sure I could find you a paper too. <laughs> thanks for joining the show. And then, uh, you know, thanks to, to David Hobbs also for coming on the show. And there's also a couple of people too. I want to mention that, that were actually helpful with the, uh, radio show that, that cause the schedules weren't able to, uh, appear. And that was Tom Roberts, uh, I traded a bunch of emails with Tom and he unfortunately couldn't because of a scheduling conflict come on the show. And of course, Jim Trado who was uh, very, very much involved with Alan Kowicki when he came back here for Alan Kowicki Day and uh, worked with at the Milwaukee Mile. And we hope to have him on uh, the show uh, next week, maybe talk a little Alan Kowicki, but also to talk about what he's doing uh, on TV with the ARCA series and that. It's pretty exciting what they're doing with the expansion of that series. So that's a lot of fun. But I got a special treat coming up. When we come back... Uh, I think it was January 24th, 1993, we had Alan Kowicki Day at Greenfield High School. And Alan had come back after winning the championship. And I thought for, what the heck, I want to bring my camcorder out there just just for fun. Not Didn't really go up there as, okay, as a press guy, I'm going to videotape this. and But I got was able to get video, which obviously because we're on a radio station, we can't play but i can do the audio the audio is pretty good and alan probably gave one of the best speeches that day i thought he kind of got to see a side of alan and a lot of people have not heard it because it's been 25 years ago and if you're a younger nascar fan or indycar fan you might have heard it but it's pretty interesting what alan got to say that day at greenfield high school so we're going to play that in the next break uh and we appreciate you listening to the final inspection show once again thank you dave Coleman, for coming in my pleasure and uh mitch ross who will be on after what's coming up after the show, Rich? We're the, we're the Rich, <laughs> Mitch. We have the Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin on deck show to get you guys set for the Brewers and Cubs game three of four, uh, coming up here right at three or two o'clock. 
first pitch at three. I should show Mitch because that was my parents' second choice for my name. <laughs> I'm my, honored. My grandparents <laughs> wanted Ralph. Thank God they didn't go with Ralph. My dad apparently wanted Lance for me. Oh. Uh, he did not win that power Then struggle. you could be on Channel 4. Oh, I could be. Yeah. You're right. Or I could have been an NSYNC. <laughs> So thank you for everybody for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Coming up next after this quick break, we're going to hear Alan Kowicki and Alan Kowicki Day at Greenfield High School, January 24th, 1993. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. It's really nice to be back here. Uh, this is really a great honor. Um, this ranks right up there with Awards Banquet in New York, and this is special. Um, you know, I've done a lot of interviews, got a lot of congratulations, but this is special because this is where it all started. And when you win the championship, you know, you do a lot of interviews and you reflect on the past, and everyone asks you a lot of questions on to get there and how you made it and everything that happened along the way. You go back and you sort of really reflect on your whole life and everything it took to get here and uh, there you know have a lot of good memories and a lot, a lot of emotional times along the way and it's just really nice to see all you people here because this was home for me for so many years before I eventually moved down south to pursue this dream and uh, I'm really looking forward to meeting as many as possible, signing as many autographs as possible and uh, you know, I think the best way to answer a lot of your questions would be to just open this up in a question-answer format. You know, instead of answering the same question a hundred times, uh, I think we can cover a lot more ground. And you know, I think that's what you'd really like is to know some of the things that are going on and ask her what we've been doing. And I'm looking forward to answering your questions. We know that you've been very, very busy testing not only at Daytona but Talladega. You've uh, gone to other tracks to test. Testing is very much a vital part of the 1993 season, but as the champion for 1992, do you have the time to test, and how is the testing going? Well, we've been testing quite a bit. Um, we've been to Daytona four different times now, twice in December, twice in January. Uh, we've also tested in North Wilkesboro and Rockingham, and really, you know, to be honest, restrictor plate racing like Daytona is probably our weakest link you know I could be a contender to win the pole just about any place else that we go except for Daytona and we'd be lucky if we made our first round qualifying that's always really sort of been my penance to go down there so we worked on that really hard and we just sort of started over from scratch I mean, I don't think we learned a whole lot last year. We just try this, try that, but we never had the time to really test things back to back the way we should. And we've been testing cylinder heads and manifold shafts, and I think we made a lot of progress. Our last test there, we ran like 189.1, and the fastest car I know to date is about 190. So we're less than a mile an hour off the fastest time I see so far. And, you know, you can't. It's hard to judge those test speeds because you never know how legal everyone is. You know, a lot of some teams might be out there looking for a new sponsor, trying to get some publicity. And, you know, there really aren't any rules you have to follow. You don't have to pass a stringent inspection that you do when you go back for the 500. So I think we're real close. Uh, 
you know, I would hope to qualify in the top ten, maybe the top five, uh, have a good Daytona 500. Uh, I was leading that race with less than three laps to go, like three or four years ago, and got a flat tire, and I've never been that close since. So that's probably my biggest unfulfilled goal at this point. We're working real hard to uh, try to accomplish that and, uh, you know, really come back and have a good season the rest of the year. You know, obviously I'd like to come back and win this championship, but I don't. I, it's way too competitive for anyone to think, to expect that they could win two Winston Cup championships, even – you know, Dale Earnhardt was going for his third in a row and didn't even end up in the top ten. So it's really tough. It's really competitive, but we're working hard. We're going to do our best, and uh, hopefully we can make this an annual thing. I'd like to be back. to see you back here uh, with that other championship ring and perhaps not on a cold January day, but perhaps on Independence Day, July 4th at the Milwaukee Mile. What's that looking like? Yeah. You got to hear how the NASCAR people here to hear all this. Uh, I'm really glad to see NASCAR racing coming back to Milwaukee. Uh, and oh, I think it'll be a step in the right direction. I, I don't run very much if any races outside the Winston Cup circuit because I'm I'm really busy running the team and probably even more so this year but if there was any one right there he is Alan Kowicki on Alan Kowicki Alan Kowicki day at Greenfield High School back in 1993 hear more of the show and the rest of the show online at 1057fmthefan.com coming up next we have the Pella windows and doors of Wisconsin on deck show built by Ozinga coming up next here on the fan Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.